go. Um, I'm so glad you're here. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas. This is, man, this is just great. This is great. Christmas at Summit Park. We've been looking forward to this for a long, long time. And uh, I want to take a moment. And I thought we've been singing so much. I just thought we'd sing one more song. And I thought I would lead it. I got, I got a little jealous. I saw the worship team up here, and I saw that they were singing, and I thought, you know what? I want to sing. And I'll be getting the mic soon, and nobody can stop me. They won't be able to stop me. Just kidding. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to sing. We're all going to sing. Congregational singing. I thought we would sing, we wish you a Merry Christmas. Is that okay? Is that all right? We're going to do it even if it's not. So before we do... Before we do, here's what I want, with, the, with the, just the, the greatest Christmas spirit you can muster, will you look at the person next to you and say, Merry Christmas. Just look at them and say, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Doesn't that feel good? We're going to sing, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Ready? <clears throat> me, 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 me. <clears throat> we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Now, pause for a second. You guys are way too still. We wish you a Merry Christmas is like there's lots of movement. There's lots of merry. There's no merry. Okay? All right. Let's try that again. All right? With movement. What do you say? Mas fuerte. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the musical term is. There it is, whatever it is. Okay, here we go. And we wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy. Good, all right, very good. Give yourself a hand, that was fantastic. <laughs> all right, verse two, now you gotta be moving and looking at people. Ready? Good tidings we bring to you and your kin. We wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy... Come on, one more time. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a Merry Christmas. We wish you a big ending and a happy new year. Come on, give yourself a big hand, everybody. <laughs> oh, man, that, that just makes you feel Christmassy. Christmassy. I love it. I love it. Ah, oh, so good. You know what we didn't sing? You know what would be rude? You don't ever hear this. We wish you a messy Christmas. Wouldn't that be weird? It'd be very weird if you said it. In fact, just try that to the person next to you say, messy Christmas. Just tell someone that. Messy Christmas. It's weird. It's weird. Doesn't it feel weird? But we should say Messy Christmas, because it's more accurate. It's more accurate, right? I mean, let's just be honest. Our Christmases start merry, but they end up messy. They start looking like a Hallmark movie, like this. Like, this is how our Christmas is. We want them. Can you just hear the jing, jing, jingle bells? Ding, jing, dun, 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 Perfect Christmas tree, fire going in the Rudolph, and then Martha Stewart table. Come on, everybody, gather around. We all look like models. Come on. This is amazing. I can't wait to see what I got. 
That's how we want Christmas to feel, right? How many of you, you go to like extreme, extenuating circumstances to make the packages look good? How many of you are package people? Come on, raise your hand loud and proud. You like to do it, like the bows, and you spend money on all of that. How many of you are like, just throw some scotch tape on it, call it good? Come on, anybody? Okay, so, so we start messy. We're cool. That's not good. So we, st- we, we, want, we want our stuff to look good and, and the table's set and everybody comes over and everybody's wearing their nice clothes. It starts merry, but it ends up looking like this right here. This is what Christmas always ends up looking like. <laughs> Does anybody relate to that picture right there? I really love how honest, we couldn't find B-roll, by the way, of messy Christmas because nobody wants to record that and put it online. So this is, we got pictures though. I love the Donald Duck like plate down there. I don't know if you just random. <laughs> food is all up in there. And it's either a mom or a dad who's just given up on the couch. So it starts there. Okay, let's, let's look at what the food looks like. So it starts Martha Stewart. It looks a little trashed out there. And then uh, here's, here's another, you know, this is during the, look at the little guy in the green jacket down there. He's like, oh. Oh, that's how we feel sometimes. And then sometimes even Santa gets worn out. Sometimes even Santa's like, this is too much. Christmases, they start, they start, they start merry, but they they end up, they end up messy. And and that's how our that's how our Christmases are. They start, they start merry, but they end up messy. But it's really encouraging because the first Christmas actually started messy and ended up merry. Our Christmases start with pretty gifts and end with a mess, but the first Christmas started with people in very messy situations and ended with the best gift ever, God with us. And I wanna show us today how it's okay, it's okay to have a very messy Christmas. A very messy Christmas. I wanna talk just for a few few days, a few not a few days, wow. (laughs) Buckle up, (laughs) buckle up. Longest service ever. (laughs) I want to talk for a few moments about a very messy Christmas, because uh, in the in in Jesus starts his ministry, he reads from the scroll, and and they didn't have iPhones back then. They didn't have Bibles back then. They had scrolls that were at the synagogue. So when Jesus starts his ministry, he goes to the synagogue and he reads something found in Isaiah that prophesied about what the Messiah would be like when he would come. And what he would bring and how things would change. In Isaiah 61, he says this. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And then he goes on, uh, skips down to say, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Now think about this for a moment. Jesus is saying, this is what my ministry is gonna bring. This is why I'm here. This is why Christmas is important. It's because what God does is he takes things that are ashes and he brings beauty out of them. That's, that's what Christmas is about. He, he takes things that are wrong and he makes them right. He, think, he takes things that are all messed up and he makes them merry. And this is super encouraging, I'm sure, to just a few of us because I'm gonna go out on a limb and guess that some of us are dealing with some messy situations. I'm just gonna guess that your life's not completely perfect right now. 
I'm just gonna guess that maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe it's a family issue. Maybe it's dealing with loss. Maybe it's a financial hardship. You came, maybe, maybe it almost kept you from coming to church today. It was a messy situation, like, man, should we, should we not? Okay, let's just go ahead and go. And you came, you pushed through the mess, but you're dealing with a messy situation in a messy circumstance. I want you to know that Christmas is for you. Christmas is about God coming into messy situations and bringing beautiful things out of them. That's really what Christmas is about. And so what I'd like to do is I'd like to look at that first Christmas, Luke chapter two. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along. Luke chapter two, we'll have it on the screen. If you have your phones, I wanna read the classic Christmas passage. It's so classic, it's so, it's so classic Christmas that a lot of times we just miss the messiness of it. But Christmas is actually very messy. It meets us in our mess and it brings Mary out of it. So if you're ready to look at the Christmas passage, maybe with a different perspective, jump into Luke chapter two, say I am. Here we go, Luke chapter two, verse one. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Isn't that just the classic Christmas passage? It, when you read it all in one setting, it almost sounds poetic. Luke, Luke wrote this, and he did a beautiful job just, just creating just a word picture, and it, it's the flow of it. I mean, can't you just hear, like, Charlie Brown Christmas, like Linus is reading this, and Snoopy's there, and Lucy, and, I mean, doesn't it, like, it hits you, right? It's just so nostalgic. It's classic. It's traditional. Do you know what else it is? It's messy, it's really, really messy. Let me, let me show you a few ways at how messy this situation is, or this messy this, this uh, passage is. First of all, it was a messy time. It was a messy time. It was messy politically. Luke 2 in verse one says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. We read that and it almost sounds Disney, right? In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree. <laughs> And Elsa comes out, Anna comes out, Olaf's there. You know, you just kind of picture it. It's a, but this is not pretty. This is actually really, really terrible. Caesar Augustus, Rome had occupied Israel. Think about this for a moment. This is like another country coming into America and taking us over. And then imposing heavy taxes on us. And then brutally enforcing those taxes. To, to the point, that, that's what they were known for. for. For the Romans, like, punishment was sport to them. 
Like they, they just like, how, what, what new way can we invent to torture somebody? Oh, how about the crucifixion? So you gotta think about, so when, when the people in Jesus' day are hearing this, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree, it's not a good thing. Messy, messy. It was also messy religiously. In the Old Testament, God had given his people 613 laws. And those laws were to help people not like completely shipwreck their lives. But he, he, he boiled it down to 10 and he said, I really want you to follow these 10. The 10 commandments, right, yes, that's right, 10 commandments. And, and Jesus, of course, boiled it down to two. Love God, love people. So like Jesus kept it simple, but the, but the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they made it really complicated, really complicated. And in fact, they had created an, an additional 1,500 laws. Everybody say, wow. 1,500 laws in addition to the 613 laws. And so people are trying to keep track of this. They're trying to do the right thing. Am I in? Am I out? Am I doing the right thing? Am I, am I kneeling right? Am I saying the right things? Am I going through? And they felt, very, they felt very ostracized. They felt very confused. They felt very condemned. Like they couldn't get close to God. So it was messy politically. It was messy religiously. And then it was a messy situation. Verse 5 says, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, and he was expecting a child. Think about this for a moment. Most people think that Joseph and Mary were 14, 15, maybe 16. So you've got poor, pregnant teenagers. Everything about that is messy, right? First of all, teenagers. It's not easy being a teenager, right, teenagers? Can I at least get a meh? Or a brah? Not, no, okay. Being a teenager is hard because you're not, you're not little anymore, but you're not quite an adult. You're in, the, you're in between. It's difficult. Being poor is difficult. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Being poor ain't fun either. So these guys are teenagers. They're poor. And then they're, they're probably living like day to day trying to find food. And I mean, this is like, this is a difficult existence. And then they're pregnant. And being pregnant's hard. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we had three kids, and it was hard on me. <laughs> being pregnant's not easy. So you have this situation, and then you have a scandalous situation, if you think about it. I mean, this is, they're pledged to be married, so, so they're engaged. And yet Mary finds out that she's pregnant. And the angel says, hey, by the way, God, you know, that whole prophecy about the Messiah coming, he's coming and he's, you're going to have him. So then she gets to go tell Joseph the good news. <laughs> How many of that, that conversation, can you just imagine that? Like Mary being like, hey, Joe, <laughs> so excited about our wedding. <laughs> hey, just wanted to let you know, um, we're expecting. <laughs> and he's like, but we haven't, you know, and he, she's like, yeah, I know. And he's like, have you been with somebody? No, and it's, it's actually God's. I mean, how many of you know Joseph in that moment? It's like, I wish you would have told me, like, uh, like the, the dog ate your homework. Like, that would have gone over better than it's God's child. And so an angel shows up. We know that an angel shows up to Joseph. But how many of you know family, friends? They're probably not buying this, right? So think about how messy that is. 
They're poor, they're pregnant, teenagers in a scandalous situation. And now they have to go to Bethlehem. And we think Bethlehem, we think all the the angels, we think stars, but Bethlehem was a messy place and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped it in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for him. We think Christmas, but in Jesus' day, Bethlehem wasn't all that. It's just a small town, not much going on there. And they can't even get a room. Nobody will even open their door, so it's not even a friendly place. They're like, hey, you know where you can stay? Back with the animals. And we think, oh, nice little wooden thing that we put, you know, with with straw and hay, and everybody's like, there's little angels around it, and, and like, you know, the ox and the lamb kept time, whatever that even means. And they're all hanging out, and it's just a great thing. You know what? It wasn't. It wasn't in this nice little straw wood thing. It wasn't in a barn. Like, we know it was in a cave. This was actually uh, the cave that they believed Jesus was born in. Now, obviously, back in Jesus' day, they didn't have the nice wood chairs and the tiled floor, but you could see the, the, the rock structure. It probably, looked, it probably looked a whole lot like this. This is actually found in that area. This is where, this is where animals would be kept. So you gotta think, when you think Jesus being born, think about this and see those little windows on the side? That's where they put the straw for the horses to come eat. So that's where Jesus is hanging out. It's, not a, it's a messy place. Probably not very sanitary. And, and we sing Silent Night, but how many of you know it probably wasn't very quiet? <laughs> Ever been in a labor delivery room? It's not quiet. The baby's crying. You know, should be. You know, the song says, no crying he makes. That's a bad thing. That's a bad thing when the baby's not crying. You want the baby crying. And Mary was probably screaming. (laughs) And the animals are probably like, like they're freaking out too. It's a messy, messy place. And then there's messy people. There's messy people because Verse eight says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. And we think, it just, even saying it right now, I'm like, that sounds so sweet. These people, they're living out in the fields because they can't live in the city. They can't live in the city. They're ostracized. They're other. They're cons- because of their profession and their background, they're considered dirty. They're considered unclean. They can't get to God. They can't even get close to worship. They can't get close to everybody else. What everybody else is doing, they feel like they're on the outside looking in. And yet, it's in this very messy time, messy situation, messy place, and the messy people that God shows up. And I think it's with great intentionality because God is saying, hey, I want to do something in the midst of your messes. In fact, that's why Jesus has come. He hasn't come to make perfect people more perfect. He's come to save people who realize that they're not perfect at all. And they could never be. That's, that's the message of Christmas. God's showing up and, and these angels show up to these messy people with a message of salvation. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Good news that will cause great joy. Let me, let me ask you, is that how you view God? 
Do you view God as good news that will cause great joy? Because I'm, I'm gonna venture to say that the shepherds did not view God as good news. They probably viewed God as mad at them. They probably viewed God as like just, just ready to take them out. They've been on the outside, but now they're saying, no, 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 there's good news. See, you have been on the outside. You have been in your mess. You have been living away, but there's good news that's gonna cause great joy. When you come back to God and you get in alignment with who he is and what he has for you, it brings great joy. It, it's actually what you're looking for. It's what you've been made for. That's what this whole thing is about. And Jesus' life would prove it. Jesus' life would prove it because what Jesus would grow up to do is when he started his ministry, he didn't, he didn't just go to the people who were perfect and, and came across as had all their stuff together. In fact, it seemed to be those self-righteous people he had the most problem with. No, who Jesus went to were the down and outers. Jesus went to the poor, the disenfranchised. He went to the prostitutes. He went to the mobsters. He said, I've got good news that will cause great joy. God is now with you. You've been disconnected, but now he is bringing you close. This is what Christmas is all about. And it's what Christmas has always been all about. Even before Christmas happened in Isaiah 8, hundreds of years before Jesus would come. Isaiah 9 Classic Christmas passage, but the context is very important. Let me show you Isaiah chapter 8. Look at this. This is the context that the Messiah will be born. Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward, will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness fearful gloom, and then they will be thrust into other darkness. Merry Christmas. We should have had Pastor Roger read that during the program. Do you know what that is? That is what happens when we live for ourselves. That's what happens when we, when we are the center of our universe. When we do what we want, instead of what God wants. When we follow our way instead of his way. When we trust ourselves instead of trust him. It's distressing, it's fearful, it's gloomy. But oh, what a backdrop for the Messiah to show up. Let me show you Isaiah nine. Look at this. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress, praise the Lord. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Come on, somebody. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. For to us, a child is born. And to us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Come on. That's Christmas. Do you see? Do you see it? Mess 
and God taking something messy and making it merry and bright and beautiful. That's what God does when we give him just a little bit of room, when we give him a little bit of room. Let me just say this, life is messy. Life is messy. There's no getting around it. People are gonna disappoint you. You're gonna disappoint yourself. You're gonna have frustration. You're gonna have, you're gonna have struggle. As long as we're on this side of heaven, life is messy. But the message of Christmas is that if we will look to God and give him just a little bit of room in our life, he can take something that is messy and make it merry. I wanna, I wanna share a testimony of someone in our church. And we're gonna watch it just for a few moments. And as we do, I want you to think about the situations that you might be in right now, the things that you're facing. And certainly if you're disconnected from God, if you're, if you're, not, if you're not right with God, think about, watch this and let it inspire you that if you'll let God in, he can do great things in your life. Let's watch. My name is Spencer, this is my wife, Caitlin. We've been together since 2006, and she still lived in Missouri, and I lived in Tennessee. I decided to move out to Missouri. He was in the Marine Corps, and he deployed in 2008, and so we had to postpone our wedding till 2009 when we got married. In May of 2021, our oldest son, Liam, started having migraines, just kind of out of nowhere. They weren't really a part of his life ever. He would have one or two a week, and you know, we, I kind of thought that was kind of strange. And then it started happening three or four times a week. Then it started happening every day, to the extent that he would be in bed for hours. And I remember explaining it away, trying to figure out any other reason that this could be happening. And, and I thought, oh, for sure he needs glasses. And I remember sitting in the ophthalmologist's office and I just wanted her to say, it's his eyes, he needs glasses, here's the solution, here's the fix. And I remember just feeling like I was gonna throw up when she said, oh no, his vision's perfect. We don't know why he's having these headaches, you need to get him into his medical doctor. And so took him in right away and his doctor was very concerned, obviously, because he was a happy, healthy kid a month ago and then was having debilitating migraines for hours. That led into a really, really, really deep depression. And I remember just holding him and like wanting to be able to fix it. And for the first time like in his life, I couldn't fix this for him. I couldn't do anything about this. It was just so frustrating as a parent to know something is seriously wrong, but we don't know what to do. We can't yeah. help you. We can't help you. We just felt like we were losing him. Yeah. We just felt like every day he was slipping further and further away from us. I, I didn't know. I didn't know if he was going to be gone in six months. I just remember feeling so isolated and alone. And that's when I felt, I guess, just desperate enough to bring it to my life group. Well, I remember our life group leader, she prayed in a way that I had never heard anybody pray. She prayed with expectation of God hearing and moving and acting. So it was 12 months of in the trenches praying over this and, and not giving up on this. And so in June of 22 was when we uh, went to a worship and prayer service and just approached God again with our child. And, and, and I, I don't think there's anything more challenging as a parent than to just let God actually have your son. 
we believed God could do more, and He did a lot more. What was kind of, you know, three to five times a week of really just being in bed depressed turned into kind of like maybe three to two times a week, and then maybe just twice a week, and then just maybe once a week. And it just felt like a retreat, like the enemy was just retreating and receding, and that we were getting our son back, like the light was coming back into his eyes. And the opportunity to be baptized came that fall. He was like, I I'm on board for that. Let's sign me up for that, because I know God healed me. I know God redeemed me. I know God rescued me and set me free from this depression that was dominating my life. He's a lot happier. He comes up to us all the time and says, man, I love my life, Dad. I love my life, Mom. <laughs> we came out from a season of a, a time with no hope, where things looked horrible, to now being healed from that. I think one thing the Bible is very clear about is that God does care. Come on, isn't that a great story of life, Sam? Can we, can we thank God for that? That's just... So encouraging, so encouraging. And I just wanna encourage you, if you're, if you're dealing with a messy situation, if you're dealing with a situation that is so far from ideal and it has been messing with you, I, I want you to know that God can do something, God can do something, for real he can. And that's the whole point of Christmas, like God with us, God saying I see you, I see you, that's why I love uh, one of the verses in O Holy Night, um, long lay the world in sin and error pining. Just a struggle, striving till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. That's, that's Christmas. God's seeing us in our struggles. We, we get to experience that. You can experience that. So if you're dealing with something today, I wanna encourage you, look to God. Look to God and respond to his invitation, his invitation of grace, because that's what the shepherds did. The shepherds, all they did, all they did was say, they're like, who, me? You, you, want, uh, that's, you want us? You, you don't want the people in the city? You don't want the people who are like, got their all stuff all together? And, and God's like, no, 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 I'm gonna go reveal myself to the people who are way on the outside just to demonstrate what my grace looks like. All they had to do was say yes. How many of you know the shepherds could have been like, no, nah, we're good. They could say, no, nah, no, nah, we're good. We're, we're, we're fine. We're, at, we're fine out here. But the answer's like, no, there's good news that will cause great joy if you'll get up and you'll move in God's direction. Do you know that that's all that God's asking any of us to do? is to get up and move in his direction. To say, you know what, I've, I've tried doing my own thing and all I've found is struggle, distress, Isaiah 8. But if I'll turn, if I'll turn to God, then I can start experiencing wonderful God, everlasting Father. Like, you can experience that. You can experience that because of Christmas. Do you see how beautiful this is? And at the same time, how messy it is. God meeting us in our mess, not because we deserve it, not because we're worthy, but because he's good. And all we have to do, all of us, all of us,